Hello and welcome back to the Born Again Club pod. This is a bonus episode. So obviously I'm going to be uploading an episode once a week, every Wednesday. But every now and again I will upload um, bonus episodes for my listeners. Um, I can see from my stats that my... my um, Following, I guess, of this podcast is growing, so I want to make sure that I'm putting out enough uh, content to keep everyone engaged within um, this particular podcast, and I just feel like um, there's so much to share regarding God's love and um, and the Word and the Gospel. So uh, today I'm going to talk a little bit about Heaven's Promises, I'm going to talk about understanding sin, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about hell. I'm going to talk about um, God's grace and and living God's commandments. Because so I've been listening to a lot of um, pastors lately. Um, a couple of my um, favorite ones, Paul Washer um, and John MacArthur um, and Vody Bockham. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but um, anyway, they're three of my favorite um, pastors that I listen to because they don't they don't avoid the the tough um, subjects on on hell and sin and um, whereas some pastors these days, especially in bigger churches with huge followings, can um, I guess reject that part of the gospel um, just to keep their followers that go to their church or listen to them online um, happy, and it sort of um, helps them validate their sin by um, being by, by those pastors just preaching, you know, the the good news as opposed to um, the other part of of the gospel where. Um, it reminds us that we still have to try to live um, according to God's will. Um, And so anyway, we'll go into that um, a little bit deeper um, today. Um, So this podcast may go for a bit longer than, um, than my usual podcast. Um, And this will be uh, obviously added on to uh, my podcast platforms as a bonus podcast. Let's open today's podcast with a prayer. So if everyone would bow their heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your presence today with humble hearts, recognizing your lo- your holiness and the perfect nature of your commandments. We acknowledge that we are sinners in need of your grace and forgiveness. We thank you for the gift of your word, which reveals to us your righteous standards and guides us into the path of righteousness. As we gather here on this podcast to delve into the topic of sinning and your commandments, we ask for your guidance and wisdom. Open our hearts and minds to understand the weight and the significance of your commandments in our lives. Help us to grasp the depths of your love and grace, even in the face of our failures and shortcomings. 
Lord, as we explore the reality of sin and its impacts on our relationship with you, we humbly confess our own sins before you. Forgive us, Father, for the times we have fallen short of your glory and disobeyed your commandments. Wash us clean with the precious blood of Jesus Christ and renew a right spirit within us. Through this podcast, may your Holy Spirit convict us of our sins, leading us to true repentance and transformation. Grant us the courage to confront the areas in our lives where we have allowed sin to take hold. Help us to fully surrender our will to yours and to live in obedience to your commandments. Lord, we pray that your word will penetrate deep into our hearts, bringing clarity, conviction and comfort. Give us discernment to recognize the way in which sin can deceive and entangle us. Guide us in the path of righteousness, empowering us by your spirit to resist temptation and live lives that honor and glorify you. We lift up this time of preaching to you, asking that you anoint the speaker with your wisdom and anoint the ears of the listeners to receive your truth. May your word bring forth transformation in our lives, causing us to walk in greater obedience and love for you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So, I think the best way to start off today's episode would be to go all the way um, back, I guess, to the the Ten Commandments. Um, so we're going to delve into the profound topic of how God wants us to live. Our Heavenly Father has not left us in the dark, but has provided us with His commandments and a glimpse into His will through His Word, the Bible. Let us open our hearts and minds to His guidance as we explore the path of righteousness and the purpose of our lives. The commandments of God as a roadmap for our lives, guiding us towards living in a way that pleases Him, brings us closer to His divine presence. So let us reflect now on the Ten Commandments as shared in Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 through to 17. So the first one, You shall not have no other gods before me. So God desires our undivided loyalty and worship. He longs for us to prioritize our relationship with him above all else, recognizing him as the one true God. Number two, you shall not make yourself an idol. So God warns us against worshipping anything or anyone other than him. He desires that we find our complete fulfillment in him alone. Number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. God's name is holy and carries great power. We should respect and revere his name, using it with reverence and not as a mere expression. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath is a day of rest and a time for us to devote ourselves to God by setting aside this day, we acknowledge his provision and sovereignty over our lives. And we'll go a little bit in depth um, with the Sabbath a little bit later on. Um, 
just to touch on that a bit more. But we'll we'll move on to number five. Honor your father and mother. God places great importance on honoring our parents. By doing so, we reflect the love and respect God desires for all relationships. Number six, you shall not murder. Human life is sacred and created in the image of God. We must respect and protect the lives of others, promoting peace and justice. Now, this also comes back to suicide. You cannot murder yourself either. That is that is still a sin. Um, and not many people like to touch on that. Um, as in the, especially this, this day and age, it's a bit of a sensitive topic. But murder is murder. Um, that goes with abortion. And that goes with suicide. Um, and it is what it is. That's... The Bible tells us so. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. God desires faithfulness and purity in our relationships. He calls us to honor the covenant of marriage and to be faithful to our spouses. So, again, a lot of a lot of people these days um, like to use God's grace um, and forgiveness as... Um, an excuse to purposefully sin and say, well, you know, I, in my flesh, want to do this. I'm, um, And they give in to temptation and they, they let sin win. Um, whereas we don't actually know um, God's judgment as a whole until we get up and face Him on Judgment Day. So um, only God knows what is inside our hearts and who truly believes and if you're willfully sinning and going against these commandments um, you have to ask yourself are you actually a believer that wants to walk side by side with Jesus number eight you shall not steal God calls us to be honest and respectful of others belongings we are to live with integrity and generosity sharing what we have with those in need number nine you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Our words have power, and God desires that we use them for truth, edification, and encouragement. We should not spread falsehoods or engage in gossip. And number 10, you shall not covet. God wants our hearts to be content and focused on Him. Coveting leads to discontentment, and distracts us from God's blessings and purposes for our lives. Coveting, for those who are unsure on the word, means desiring to have something that somebody else has or something that you don't have, um, and just being single-minded in wanting what you cannot have. So, yeah, but we have to just remember that we, we have to live by God's will and, and trust his timing for everything. We'll talk about seeking God's guidance. So beyond the commandments, God has a unique and individual plan for each of our lives. Um, in Jeremiah 29.11, it assures us of his intentions. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. 
So it all comes down to trusting God's timing. In our journey, we may face moments of uncertainty and impatience. However, God reminds us in... Um, oh, man. So this has <laughs> come to a point where I am at... I'm still learning how to pronounce different words and names in the Bible. So this is es- e- Ecclesiastes. Sorry, I knew that. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. We must trust that God's timing is perfect and that he has a purpose for every sec- uh, for every season of our lives. We need to also seek wisdom through prayer and scripture. God's will can be discerned through prayer and the study of his word. James chapter 1 verse 5 encourages us, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him by seeking his guidance through prayer. We open ourselves up to receive divine wisdom and understanding of his will for our lives. Which brings us on to surrendering to God's sovereignty. So living in God's will requires surrendering our own desires and ambitions to his divine plan. In Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 to 6 it reminds us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. When we trust in God's sovereignty, he aligns our paths with his purposes. We also must remember to walk in love and service. God's will for us is not solely about personal success or achievement, but about love and service towards others. Galatians 5.13 urges us, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. As followers of Christ, we are called to reflect his love by serving others selflessly and compassionately. Then we have to spread the good news. So God's ultimate desire is for all people to come to, he, uh, come to know him and experience his saving grace. In Mark 16:15, Jesus commands us, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. As believers, we are entrusted with the task of sharing the good news of salvation with those around us, reflecting God's heart for reconciliation. So in conclusion, living in accordance with God's commandments and embracing his will for our lives is not always easy but it is immensely rewarding. As we grow in our understanding of God's desires for us, let us strive to align our actions, thoughts and words with his teachings. May we be a people who diligently seek his guidance, trusting in his wisdom and sovereignty. Let us live lives that reflect his love, mercy and grace to a world in des- uh, desperate need of his salvation. In doing so, we honour God and find true fulfillment and purpose. Amen. So I'll just go back, backtrack, um, and just talk a little bit about Sabbath. Um, I won't 
I won't go on too much, but the Sabbath day, according to the traditional Christian understanding, is observed on Sunday, the first day of the week. This changed from the seventh day Sabbath, which was a Saturday, to the first day of the week, um, and it's rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which took place on a Sunday, and you can find that in Mark 16, verse 9. Early Christians began gathering on Sundays to commemorate the resurrection and worship together. Um, over time, Sunday became the accepted day for Christian worship and the observance of the Sabbath. Now, why we're going on um, like different words in the Bible, I know that when you first start to read the Bible or understand um, Christianity, there's a few words that you might hear that you might think, well, I don't know what that means. So I've come up with 12 words, um, and just, just to give a little bit of an explanation of what these words mean. Um, now, there's plenty of words in there that I still don't know what they mean, and I have to do research to figure it out, but um, I'll just touch on these 12 before I move on. So the number one is number one word is salvation. And this refers to the deliverance and redemption of humanity from sin and its consequences through faith in Jesus Christ. Number two is the gospel, which is also known as the good news of Jesus Christ. His life, death and resurrection and the message of salvation through faith in him. Number three, faith, trust and belief in God, particularly in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, as the means of salvation and relationship with God. Number four, grace. God's unmerited favor and loving kindness extended towards humanity shows supremely through Jesus Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. Repentance. Repentance is a sincere turning away from sin and a change of heart accompanied by desire to live in accordance with God's will. Atonement, the act of reconciliation between God and humanity through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, who took upon himself the punishment for our sins. Number seven, justification. The legal declaration by God that a sinner is righteous and forgiven based on faith in Jesus Christ and not by personal merit or works. Number eight is sanctification. The ongoing process of being transformed and set apart for God's purposes, conforming more and more to the likeness of Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. Number nine, baptism. The symbolic act of immersion or sprinkling with water, representing identification with Jesus' death, burial and resurrection and the initiation into the Christian faith. Number ten, the Holy Spirit. The third person in the Trinity, sent by Jesus Christ to dwell within believers, guiding, empowering, and transforming their lives. Number 11. Church, the community of believers. The body of Christ, gathered together to worship, serve, and support one another in their faith. And number 12. Discipleship. The process of following and learning from Jesus, growing in knowledge, obedience, and conformity to his teachings and examples. These terms represent fundamental concepts that underpin the Christian faith and are extensively explored and discussed throughout the Bible. So it's important to understand them. 
Okay, now we're going to talk a little bit about heaven. So I have a question. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and one of the most common questions that you can ask um, when you are new to the faith or coming back is, will you go to heaven if you believe in Jesus? The belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is a central aspect of the Christian faith. Christians believe that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ and his redemptive work on the cross. The Bible teaches us that those who believe in Jesus repent of their sins and place their trust in him for salvation and will receive the gift of eternal life with God in heaven. Um, and there is a famous um, Bible verse that we always go to when we talk about this subject, and it's from John chapter 3, verse 16, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's important to note, though, that salvation is not solely based on the intellectual belief or mere acknowledgement of Jesus' existence. True faith involves a personal relationship with Jesus, surrendering one's life to him and striving to follow his teachings. This faith is accompanied by genuine repentance, a turning away from sin and a desire to live in accordance with God's will. So as I touched on earlier, um, when I started this podcast, um, so just because you say that you believe in um, in Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get to walk through the pearly gates uh, into heaven, um, because God God knows your true heart, um, and He knows if you've had a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, you don't want to be that person that gets to heaven and Jesus says, get away from me, for I, I never knew you. Um, even though you're going to him, shouting, Lord, Lord. Um, you don't want to be that guy. So it's important to surrender your life to him and try to follow his teaching as best as you can. Be genuine in your repentance and turning away from sin and have a burning desire to live in accordance with his will. It's also important to recognize that God is the ultimate judge, and he alone knows the depths of a person's heart. Only he knows the sincerity and the authenticity of one's faith. It is not for us to definitively determine who will or will not go to heaven. As Christians, we are called to share the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and to encourage others to believe in him. We trust God's grace and his promises, knowing that he is just and loving in his judgment. Ultimately, the decision of who will enter heaven rests in God's hands. Which brings me to the next question that you get, <clears throat> generally, um, which I've, I've asked myself, and it's, can you sin and still go to heaven? The concept of sin... And its relationship to salvation is an important topic within Christianity. As Christians, we believe that all people are sinners, having fallen short of God's perfect standard. Sin creates a separation between humanity and God, and it is the reason why we are in need of salvation. There's not one person in this world that has not sinned and will not continue to sin. 
Um, the only person that ever walked this world that was perfect and did not sin was Jesus Christ. Um, and we are nowhere near um, good enough to even put ourselves in the same sort of ranking as Jesus. When We don't even come close. The Christian understanding is that salvation is a free gift of God's grace received through the faith in Jesus Christ. When a person accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, acknowledging their need for his forgiveness and surrendering their life to him, they are reconciled to God and receive an assurance of an eternal life. However, once again, it is important to note that genuine faith in Christ results in a transformation of the heart and the life. While believers are forgiven and justified through faith, they are also called to live a life that reflects their faith and growing relationship with Christ. This involves striving to follow God's commands, growing in holiness and seeking to live in a manner that honours and pleases God. While it is possible for believers to sin, the presence of sin in a person's life does not automatically negate their salvation. The Apostle John addresses this in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8-9, to saying, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christians have the, the assurance that when they genuinely confess their sins and seek God's forgiveness, he is faithful to forgive and cleanse them. However, it is important for believers to have genuine desire to repent and turn away from sin, seeking to grow in obedience to God. The presence of sin in a believer's life should lead to conviction, humility, and a resilience, sorry, and a reliance on God's grace for ongoing transformation and sanctification. Ultimately, it is God's grace and mercy that grants salvation, and it is through faith in Jesus Christ that we receive the salvation. While believers may stumble and struggle with sin, their hope rests in redeeming work of Christ and his power to transform their lives. So then that made me think and, and look into the next question. If you purposely sin, are you still saved? And do you truly believe in Jesus? The question of intentionally sinning and salvation is a complex and debated topic within Christian theology. Different Christian denominations and theology um, theologians hold varying perspectives on the issue. It is important to approach this question with humility and an understanding that sincere believers may have different interpretations. One of the commonly held beliefs is that genuine faith in Jesus Christ produces a desire to follow him and live in obedience to God's commands. While believers may struggle with sin and experience moments of weakness, intentionally and persistently choosing a lifestyle of sin without repentance and remorse can raise questions about the authenticity of one's faith. In the book of First John the Apostle emphasizes the connection between genuine faith and a transformed life. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-6, through 6, he states, 
By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Goes on to say, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. However, it's important to remember that salvation is not based on our own righteousness of works, but on the grace of God. It is possible for believers to stumble and fall into sin, yet still possess genuine faith and be saved. The key is the posture of the heart. When a believer sins, there should be a conviction and desire for repentance, seeking forgiveness from God and striving to turn away from that sin. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm getting sick. Got a bit of a scratchy throat. So continuing on, it is ultimately God who judges the sincerity of one's faith and the condition of their heart. He sees the depths of our thoughts, intentions, and struggles. We must trust in his grace, his ability to forgive, and his desires to transform us. It is important for believers to continually examine their hearts, confess their sins, and seek guidance from God and strength to live a life that reflects their faith in Jesus Christ. This involves cultivating a relationship with him, growing in obedience and relying on the Holy Spirit's power for ongoing transformation. So in summary, intentional and persistent sinning without repentance raises concerns about the authenticity of one's faith. Genuine faith in Jesus Christ is marked by a desire to follow him and live in obedience to his commands. However, the final judgment of an individual's salvation rests with God and God only, who sees the sincerity of the heart, trusting in his grace. Believers must continually strive to walk in repentance and obedience, growing in their relationship with him. So, I think that's a pretty good... um, a pretty good overview of of uh, and, and answers to those questions that I had. Um, I want to move on um, and talk about heaven and grace. Um, and I, there's so much that I want to talk about in this bonus episode. So um, I'm just going to keep going um, until. Either my voice gives out or I, or I start coughing too much because I am getting sick. Um, but that's all right. We'll fight on. Uh, so I'm going to talk about God's amazing grace and talk about a glimpse of heaven. So I want to reflect on God's amazing grace and the glorious hope of heaven. In a world filled with challenges and uncertainties, It is essential to be reminded of the boundless love and mercy of our Heavenly Father. So, let us dive into the scriptures together and explore the wonders of of God's grace and the eternal home that awaits us in heaven. So we need to understand God's grace. The definition of grace. The Bible describes grace as an unmerited favor and loving kindness of God towards humanity it is divine assistance and empowerment 
that we do not deserve but receive freely by faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Salvation is not achieved through our own efforts or good work, but through God's grace alone. It's the only thing that gives us salvation. We cannot earn our way into heaven. Rather, it is a gift freely given to us. This truth humbles us and reminds us that we are entirely dependent on God's grace for our eternal destiny. So let's talk about the depth of God's grace. Uh, God's grace covers all sins. So we've just spoken about sins and how we need to really work towards um, living in a, in a righteous sort of life. But again, God's grace is so great that if he can see that your heart, in your heart that you don't, truly mean to sin and that you trip over from time to time it can help you no matter how great or numerous our sins may be God's grace is greater still so you've got to understand it doesn't matter how bad somebody can sin in this world God's grace is so much greater his forgiveness knows no bounds and through Christ's sacrifice on the cross we can be reconciled to him you can find a Bible quote in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, and it says, But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So Paul the Apostle emphasizes that no matter how pervasive sin becomes, God's grace is always more abundant. Our mistakes and failures do not disqualify us from receiving God's forgiveness and salvation. He lavishes his grace upon us granting us fresh start and a new life in Christ. However, I must stress that if you do not truly believe and you do not truly give yourself to Jesus, there is a chance that that grace may not cover you. Um, but as I said earlier, God is the only one that can judge that. Myself as a fellow Christian and a believer just has to take your word for it. It's only God that knows what's truly on your heart. So <clears throat> we'll talk about the transforming power of grace and how grace leads to spiritual transformation. And I can speak to this from my own life. Um, and, and it's powerful stuff. When we accept God's grace... Our lives are transformed. We are no longer bound by sin, but empowered to live a life of righteousness through the Holy Spirit's guidance. And let me tell you, ever since I've given my life fully to Jesus, I've fully just surrendered everything to God. And I said, this is, I want you to take my life and I want you to guide me and I want to live by your will. Um, my life has transformed in many ways and I'm no longer stressed out by the things of this world. 
Nothing gets me down. Um, because I know that I've got God right there. And he, he will come through for me. In his own timing. Um, I lived a, a, a life for a long time. I was a sinner. I still am a sinner. But I lived in sin and I didn't repent. And I really felt the effects. You can feel the difference from when you do turn around. And you do feel God's grace come into your life once you've transformed and turned yourself around um, and started to live life of righteousness. You can really feel the difference. You can find a Bible quote in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 12, and it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Now that's a powerful, powerful verse that one because I can say from my own experience I used to be someone that could not say no to ungodliness and, and worldly passions and everything that drew me towards sin I could not say no. That stuff was more important to me than than God. In fact, if I think about it, if we be honest with ourselves, I probably hated God. I hated God because I felt like he was oppressing me from doing the things that I wanted to do in life. Um, but once you are truly saved and you, and you give yourself to God and you say, no, I want to live in righteousness and I want to live by your commandments as best as I can, you understand that... Um, the things of the world are designed to keep us separated from God. It's the devil. It's Satan. It's coming in and he, he's planting these little um, temptations everywhere to pull you away from God's grace, God's glory. And it's just not a great way to live. God's grace not only saves us, but it also teaches and empowers us to live according to his will. As we yield to his grace, our lives become a testimony to his transforming power, bringing glory to his name. Now, let's talk about the hope of heaven and the promise of eternal life. Heaven is not just a myth or a wishful thought. It is real and glorious it's a glorious destination prepared by God for all those who believe in him. You can find in John chapter 14 verses 2 to 3, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going, to, I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus himself assured his disciples that he was going to prepare a place for them in his father's house. This promise extends to all believers. Heaven is a place of unimaginable beauty where we will, we will experience the fullness of God's presence and dwell in eternal joy and peace. 
which brings us on to the joy of heaven and no more suffering or tears. In heaven, all the pain, sorrow and tears we experience in this earthly life will cease. We will be embraced by God's perfect love and experience everlasting joy. <coughs> Pardon me. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. The Apostle John, in his vision of heaven, assures us that God will wipe away every tear and eradicate all sources of pain and suffering. In the presence of God, we will find eternal comfort and rest. So, embracing God's grace and aiming for heaven. So, let's talk about receiving God's grace. To experience the fullness of God's grace and the hope of heaven, we must acknowledge our need for a saviour. Repent our sins and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour of our lives. In Acts chapter 4 verse 12 it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So, to explain that, salvation is found exclusively in Jesus Christ. Nobody else. There's nobody else that has ever existed or will ever exist that salvation can be found through. It is exclusively Jesus Christ. We cannot rely on our own merit or the ways of the world to attain eternal life. It is only through faith in Jesus that we can receive God's grace and enter into this eternal bliss of heaven. Let us remember that God's grace is a gift beyond measure. It reaches into the depths of brokenness. It forgives our sins and restores us to a right relationship with Him. As we live in the reality of His grace, we are assured of a glorious future in heaven. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith and live each day with the hope of heaven in our hearts may god's amazing grace transform us and empower us to live for his glory amen so i guess if you talk about heaven inevitably the um, questions start to arise about hell. And as I've said, um, some pastors don't like to talk about hell. I'm not a pastor. I haven't got any qualifications um, to preach, but I am a Christian follower and I'm a believer of Jesus and I will talk about the things that I've learned so far. Um, to spread the word and the message of God, just so there isn't anyone out there who gets misled, I suppose. So I guess where we could start is, who does the Bible say will go to hell? The Bible describes hell as a place of punishment or separation from God. 
for those who have rejected or turned away from God and His commandments. It is important to note that interpretations of specific passages and the concept of hell can be can vary among different Christian denominations. In Christian theology, it is often believed that those who persistently and unwillfully reject God's offer of salvation through Jesus Christ may face eternal separation from Him. The Bible mentions various descriptions or references to the fate of the unrepentant or wicked, such as Revelation 21.8. This verse lists different types of people who will face the second death, which is commonly associated with eternal punishment. It includes the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars. In Matthew 25:46, Jesus speaks of a separation of people into two groups, with the righteous going to eternal life and the unrighteous to eternal punishment. In Mark chapter 9, verses 43 to 48, Jesus uses strong language to describe hell, emphasizing the need to avoid sin and its consequences. In Revelation 20, verse 15, the verse states that anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire, which is often associated with hell. So, will God's grace save even the worst sinners from hell? This is a question that comes up all the time when you talk about hell, heaven, grace... In Christian theology, the concept of God's grace is often understood as a divine gift that can be, bring salvation to all people, regardless of their past sins or actions. Many Christians um, and their denominations believe in the possibility of redemption and forgiveness through God's grace, emphasizing that no sin is too great for God to forgive. Now, the Bible contains numerous examples of individuals who experience God's grace and forgiveness despite their sinful past. For instance, the Apostle Paul, formerly known as Saul, was a persecutor of Christians before his conversion. Yet he encountered God's grace and became one of the most influential figures in early Christianity. The idea of God's grace extends to the beliefs in repentance, where individuals acknowledge their sins seek forgiveness and turn towards a new life in accordance with God's teachings. According to Christian beliefs, genuine repentance and acceptance of Jesus Christ as Saviour can lead to salvation and avoidance of eternal separation from God. Mm. So, I guess the way that you could look at hell and heaven is from the way that um, well I guess that I've learned to understand through my time of coming back into Christianity so <clears throat> I will always strongly believe that you need to live life according to God's commandments as best you can to walk in righteousness to Try to live a life void of sin. Um, but obviously, life's not that easy at times. And 
sometimes sin can creep up on us and we can trip over and and fall but the best thing about our lord and savior and the best thing about our god is that his grace is so so massive that even the worst sins in the world can be forgiven as long as you truly believe in your heart that God sent Jesus down to die on the cross and to resurrect and to go back up into heaven so that we can meet him there on on judgment day so he can say, I know who you are. Yes, you have spoken to me. I know who you are. God will say, God will say, I can tell that your heart is true and that you have a place here with me in heaven. Or on the other hand, he'll turn around and he'll say, no, you may have claimed to know me. You may have claimed to believe in me. But your heart tells me otherwise. And then he will send you down to that lake of fire. And that's pretty much as as simple as I can make it. <clears throat> so, if we just talk a little bit more about sin and the nature of sin... The definition, sin can be defined as the transgressions of God's law, an act of disobedience that separates us from the holiness and perfect nature of the Creator. And it is hard to avoid sin. Let's understand where sin comes from. Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience in the Garden of Eden, marking the fall of humanity. Every single one of us have sinned. We will continue to sin. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Sin does not discriminate. It affects every individual, regardless of age, race or background even the pastors that you go to church and listen to every sunday that preach that share the word of god they all sin no one is perfect the consequence of sin so we'll talk about spiritual separation sin creates a separation between us and god and he is a holy as he is holy and cannot tolerate sin in his presence. So sin creates a separation because God cannot tolerate sin in his presence. The wages of sin is death, both physical and spiritual. Sin leads to spiritual death by cutting off our communion with God and ultimately eternal separation from him. Sin damages our relationships with others, causing division, strife, and pain. It disrupts the unity that God desires for his people. However, there is a road to redemption. 
And as I keep talking about God's love and mercy, despite our sinful nature, and I will preach this to the cow come home, even if I'm repeating myself, I will keep on preaching this. Despite our sinful nature, God's love and mercy is boundless. He desires to reconcile us to himself and offers forgiveness through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the whole world that he sent his only son to die for us. Repentance. To find redemption, we must acknowledge our sins, confess them before God, and repent sincerely with a desire to turn away from our sin. And then we look at forgiveness and cleansing. When we repent, God forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Through Jesus' sacrifice, we can be made new and experience the joy of a restored relationship with God. Which means living a life of victory. And this refers to the power of the Holy Spirit. As believers, we are not left alone in our struggle against sin. God has given us the Holy Spirit to guide, empower, and transform us from within. So if you are in need of transformation, if you are in need to be um, empowered and guided, ask, ask for the Holy Spirit to enter you and to lead you into a life of righteousness. The Word of God instructs us to renew our minds and align our thoughts and actions with His will. Meditating on Scripture and seeking wisdom from God enables us to resist the temptations of sin. And let me tell you, ever since I've been meditating on the Word, ever since every single night I go to bed and I flick on a, a YouTube sermon or I read the Bible or I listen to audio Bibles, ever since I have just made my whole life involved with... Um, making sure that I meditate on the scripture and I'm hearing God's word every single day whenever I can I can tell you that it's very easy to resist temptation of sin because you're too busy trying to understand God and trying to draw closer to God and once you know and understand God more you don't you don't want to you don't want to sin against him you don't want to disappoint him because he he has given us the ultimate sacrifice of sending his... Could you imagine sending your child somewhere to die to save humanity? Humanity is filled with evil people. Humanity is filled with absolutely disgusting, undeserving... Yeah... I would say scum, but I don't want to use that word. But could you imagine if the only way those people could be saved was for your child to go and die? Not only to die, but to be absolutely, absolutely just bashed and beaten and, and just persecuted and disrespected and just just a horrible way to die. Could you imagine sending your child to do that? No, I could not. That's how good God is. That's how good God is. So walking in righteousness, by relying on the Holy Spirit, we can cultivate the fruits of the Spirit and live a life characterized by love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Sin is a reality we must confront, but it is not the end of our story. Through Jesus Christ, we have hope and the promise of forgiveness and redemption. Let us continually examine our lives, repent of our sins, and strive to live in alignment with God's word. As we walk in righteousness, may our lives be a testament to his transformative power, drawing others towards the saving grace found in Christ. May we encourage one another in faith, extending compassion and forgiveness to those who stumble along the way. Remember, the journey of sanctification is a lifelong process. We may still face temptation and wrestle with sin, but our victory is not in our own strength. It is found in Christ. Therefore, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and rely on his grace to overcome the power of sin in our lives. In our pursuit of holiness, let us also extend grace and compassion to others who are struggling with sin. We are called to love one another as Christ has loved us. Bearing one another's burdens and restoring those who have fallen in a spirit of gentleness. May our lives reflect the transformative power of God's love and grace, drawing others into his redemptive embrace. As we conclude this podcast, let us remember that sin is a reality we cannot ignore or take lightly. However, we must also remember the good news, the gospel, that declares Christ's victory over sin and death. Through his sacrifice, we have been given the opportunity to be reconciled to God and the experience of joy and salvation. May we continually seek God's wisdom and guidance, relying on his word and the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us away from sin and into a life of righteousness. May our hearts be filled with gratitude for the God's, for God's love and forgiveness, and may we extend the same love and forgiveness to others. Let us leave this place today with a renewed commitment to walk in obedience to God. Resisting the temptations of sin and embracing the abundant life that Christ has provided for us. May our lives be a testimony of his grace, drawing others into the freedom and joy found in a relationship with him. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, I don't want to end the podcast talking about sin. I just want us to get excited again about the promise of heaven. So, I promise this will be the last little part. I know this podcast has been going for a long time, but I'm excited. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm excited to share. I'm excited to share the promises of heaven. I'm excited 
to draw people closer to God um, and entice them with his promises. So we're going to explore the extraordinary promise of heaven. It's captivated the hearts and minds of believers throughout the ages, a realm of eternal bliss and everlasting communion with our loving creator. Heaven, the ultimate destination for those who trust in the redeeming sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's not only a beautiful concept, but a reality that awaits us. The Bible offers glimpses into this magnificent realm, revealing the wonder, joy, and in eternal peace that awaits us. In Revelation 21.4, it says, He will wipe every tear from the eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. In this verse from the book of Revelation, we are given a glimpse of the breathtakingly beautiful beauty of heaven. It is a place where God himself tenderly wipes away every tear from our eyes. The anguish and sorrow that plagued our earthly existence will be eradicated. No more death. No more mourning. No more crying. No more pain shall exist. For all the troubles of this world will fade away. In John 14, verses 2 to 3, it says, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so... Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, now I've already, I know that I've already read that verse in today's podcast, but I just, when something's so good, you just have to keep repeating it. These words of Jesus offer us assurance and hope. He promises that heaven is a prepared place, a place designed especially for us by our Heavenly Father. Just as Jesus ascended to heaven, he assures us that he will return one day to gather his children and bring them into the glorious presence of the Father. This promise reminds us that there is eternal home and it's being lovingly prepared by our Savior himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, However, as it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, reveals a truth that surpasses human comprehension the wonders and blessings of heaven are far beyond our limit or our limited understanding our earthly senses cannot fathom the splendor that awaits us god's plan for his beloved children goes beyond our wildest dreams exceeding all expectations it is a divine invitation to experience the indescribable and unimaginable joys of eternity with our Creator. As I conclude, and I promise you I'm concluding this podcast, I know it's been a long one, and I hope that you've held on, and I hope that you've been captivated by this. Um, And uh, I will continue to 
post bonus podcasts every now and then. But as we conclude our reflection on heaven, <coughs> if I can make it through without coughing, let us remember that the promise of eternal life is not a mere fantasy or wishful thinking. It is grounded in the unchanging truth of God's word. Heaven is a realm where all sorrow, pain, and death will be no more. It is prepared. It is a prepared place awaiting the arrival of those who trust in Jesus Christ. Moreover, it is a place so magnificent that our human minds cannot fully comprehend it. You would not, even in your wildest imagination or in your wildest dreams, ever comprehend what Jesus has waiting for us in heaven. Let us hold on to the hope of heaven, for it grants us strength, peace, and endurance in the midst of trials and tribulations. By keeping our hearts focused on the eternal, we can find solace and courage in the face of life's challenges. So let us set our sights on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. May the promise of heaven inspire us to live with purpose and to share the good news of the salvation with all those around us, let us eagerly anticipate the day when we will enter into the eternal joy and unending fellowship of heaven, where we will dwell together with our Lord and our Saviour forever. In light of this glorious promise, let us live as citizens of heaven here on earth. Let our actions reflect the values and principles of God's kingdom. Let us love one another, forgive as we have been forgiven, and extend grace and compassion to those in need. May our lives be a testimony of the hope we have in Christ and a reflection of the eternal joy that awaits us. As we face the challenges of this world, let us remember that our ultimate destination is not here, but in the presence of our Heavenly Father. Let us persevere in faith, knowing that the suffering of this present time are incomparable to the glory that will be revealed in us. The trials we endure are temporary, but the rewards of heaven are everlasting. So in closing, in closing, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith who endured the cross for the joy set before him. Just as he conquered sin and death, he has prepared a place for us in heaven. Let us eagerly await his return and the fulfillment of his promise. May the assurance of heaven fill our hearts with peace, inspire us to live holy lives and ignite within us a fervent desire to share the hope of eternal life with others. May we always remember that our true home is in heaven and our eternal destiny is secured by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And just let me, <clears throat> just let me say, do not, do not be scared to be excited about heaven. I'm excited about heaven. Remember why heaven exists. Remember why <clears throat> we are able to get there. 
but be excited. You're allowed to be excited and spread the word with other people. Even if you struggle to connect with people who say that they don't believe, if you plant the little seeds, one day they'll grow into a big tree. And you never know. You never know how many people you could save with just a couple of words. May God bless you and keep you all my loyal listeners, as you fix your eyes on heaven and live as heirs of the glorious promise that awaits us. May you lift up any of your troubles that you have in this world and lay them at Jesus' feet. Because they don't belong to us. Nothing in this world will matter. On that last day when we come face to face with our creator nothing else will matter so set all your, your worries aside and talk to God pray get to know him focus in on his word meditate on his word really build a relationship with him so you know in your heart that his grace has saved you and you will get to spend eternity with Jesus on your final day. This has been a bonus episode of uh, the <clears throat> Born Again Club pod. It has gone for a very long time, but I just felt it on my heart to share that message and I just really hope that it has really uh, touched somebody and resonated with somebody. I'll talk to you all again next week at the normal day of Wednesday. And it'll probably just be a half an hour potty again. But I really hope that you've enjoyed this. And um, yeah, I really hope that it's resonated with you. Stay blessed. And I'll talk to you all next week.